taking and mum would find dope in my bag in my in my pants or in okay. my wardrobe and and I used to tell her it was Mexican tea. <laughs> no. <laughs> You are now listening to The Happiness Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Casadillo, a 22-year-old from Western Australia, and this is the Self-Isolation Series. For the next two weeks, I have to stay inside my house, and instead of watching Netflix and scrolling through Instagram all day, I thought, why not start a podcast show? And why not try to commit doing a podcast episode each day for the next two weeks? Join me as I try and cover many different topics to do with lifestyle, travel, self-help, fun life anecdotes, and what it means to live a purposeful life. Enjoy this podcast and let me know what you think. Thanks again. Peace. Hey there, you're listening to The Happiness Podcast. My name is Daniel Casadillo, and today I've got my first ever guest who just happens to be in self-isolation, the man himself, Steph Casadillo. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you, Daniel. Doing really well. I don't think I've ever I'm called sitting you... here stuck with you. I don't think I've ever called you Steph before because you're my dad. <laughs> um, okay, Dad, I want to talk today about addiction and your kind of past and things like that regarding addiction. Can you kind of give me a little bit of a picture of what you kind of grew up when, what you kind of grew up in in Wollongong on the east coast of Australia? Okay, now. This is a long story, Dan. <laughs> We've got nothing but time. Okay? It's self-isolation. We've got, self-isolation. Okay. We've got two weeks. Good. Did you get yourself a call? <laughs> yes, sir. Fly <laughs> away. Okay. Um, well, I can remember, Dan, once upon a time, there was this um, uh, sister, a friend of mine had a sister, and she was a heroin addict. And I used to pass his home to get to school. And there was a time there where um, she was back home because her father was trying to help her through her addiction. And we were 15 years old. And so I would stop in at Mark's house. And um, and so she would um, be coming off her heroin by using hashish and dope. And, and so she would um, cook up a little brew. Brew, yes, of 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 what? Now I shouldn't have said that because she wasn't cooking up a brew. She was making a mix. Okay, <laughs> so hang on. I was thinking I, coffee or I, something. I, I, I went back. I went back to the brew that we, we used to call it a brew, but okay, she was making a mix. <laughs> so a brew of heroin? No, no, uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because that was her thing, and so yeah. but she was. Um, have making a mix, sorry, Dan. Okay. Yeah. And so mix a mix is back in that in that in that time was um, a, a blend of dope and hashish. Okay. She's making a mix, and so she made this um, uh, mix, and she offered us to have it with her. So we smoked my first joint. Yep. With my friend's sister. And how old were you? I was fifteen. 15, yep. Yeah, 15, going to school. and um, So it started off with just like a innocent, just an innocent, innocent joint of innocent weed, joint, marijuana. And, and I felt that, you know, why not? Let's have a go at this. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing it. It was the hippie era. We were affected by the hippies. Our, 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 our idols were hippies from all over the place. Right, yeah. And so we looked up at the hippies' lifestyle, how free they were. 
with their hamlets and their houses and their long hair and their freedom right. to, 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 in those days, you could stay on the dole okay. for year after year. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so... So that's kind of like a hidden kind of... Like, people think of hippie and they think of, um, you know, simplicity and chill chilled vibes very chill but, but that's back then they were looked looked upon as dropouts okay okay dropouts of school university they really didn't care yeah this whole freedom fact that came in and yeah dope 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 um actually came in like a wave like a huge wave in the 60s 70s mm-hmm. and um it actually made the uh, local pubs very quiet because everyone was smoking. Yes. Oh, okay. And so it was, uh, <laughs> it was yeah. like this this tremendous peace came upon the bars that would yep. genuinely fight and yeah. rumble and you know it'd be a lot of violence that turned to you know ah oh, so it was hugs because <laughs> it turned to hugs <laughs> so it was very violent and aggressive in the pubs because everyone's drinking excessive oh, yeah. amount of alcohol oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then when weed come in it became a much more chilled vibe. And what, the pubs were empty or it was just, what was different? When... No, no, the pubs were much the same. But safer or? Just a lot safer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Due yeah. to most people being, smoking weed the regularly. The young ones were smoking weed more yep. than getting drunk. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, okay. that, was, that was the big change. Yeah. So how did you transition from just um, smoking an innocent joint with your friends and your friend's sister on the way to school to then heroin how did that happen well it just grew it's um the old saying the devil starts small right okay you know what i mean and so it was just a little touch of uh this um uh dope and then uh it moved to maybe once a week and it kind of grew into this um whole arena of lsd Buddha sticks, cocaine, hashish, all that, and uh, magic mushrooms. It, it, literally, we turned into drug fiends. Right. A whole, a whole heap of us that grew up together in that little town of Berkeley uh-huh. in Wollongong. Yeah. So that's like, what, two hours south of Sydney? Yes. Yep. Two hours yep. south of Sydney. And so whatever Sydney had, Wollongong had. You, right. You know? yep. And so we found out in time that um, the ports in Port Kembla just up from Berkeley, Wollongong Central, the ports that uh, supplied the um, iron, uh, lime and coke for the um, uh, steel mills, steelworks, BHP, mm-hmm. um, that the ports, we had 12 berths, 12 ships that came in, like right. a lot of ships came through, and those ships were bringing in the heroin. Okay. It was yeah. one of the biggest entrants for heroin in Australia. Really? Yes, through okay. the ports of BHP. Yeah, well, yeah. back then it was called AINS, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, the ships that came in had all sorts of workers on board. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because... You know what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, because, like, the average, the average young adult has, you know, done, has no problem with weed and has probably explored trying out LSD, coke, at party situations. You mean today? Yeah, today. Okay. Uh, the average young adult in their young lo- partying life and all that. Um, but the whole, you don't hear heroin much. You th- when I think of heroin, I think of that's 
like a very that's probably the strongest drug around almost right so i wouldn't say strongest the stone isn't strong it's a mild and um it can get it can get heavy on your body and okay you, you know it's yeah. not it's not like it's a heavy stone okay so what, what can you describe it when you uh, euphoria it's really like nothing can touch me right you know i, yeah. I, I can get through this no problem it lifts the load to anyone going through any issues of any type of mental illness or whatever you're going through, a trauma. You know, you could be not connected. Like I, I felt I wasn't connected. Do you okay. know what I mean yep. by that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't have a connection that I really hungered for. I had friendships. Yeah. I had accomplices. I had people that I could connect in the way of drug central that was all revolving around drugs. It wasn't a true... If I went to hospital, I wouldn't get a visitor. Right. You know, it's it's, it's yep. like everyone was a selfish, in a selfish place, taking care of them, their own self-interest, drugs. Okay, yep, yep. So when, when you would take heroin, would it mainly be at a party scene or would it just be you're at someone's house? How would... Would you do it at a nightclub? What, how, would, how would you go about doing it? It varies. You, you genuinely at a home. And um, if you're out going out to your nightclub or to, you know, you, you might be scoring before you go in. So okay. you'd, you'd use like a public toilet. Okay, yep. You know, yep. And so you know, generally in a home for, you know, for safety's sake, for, yep. yeah, in your car, yep. you know, it's... Um, and would it, would it be fun? Like, or are you oh, it's all of... exciting because you've got your blast coming. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and I, I I had this notion where I would use enough where I can still go out. Okay, and so you got to understand that when I was seventeen, sixteen, sixteen, seventeen, I left home, and it was when I left home in my own flat, living with four blokes. It was that time that that I did try heroin. I tasted it How only you? because of the curiosity and what others were stepping into and. And I, I had to say, you know what, I might, might taste this. Just, and I didn't like it. Okay. How, how old were you at the time? 16 to 17. You were 16 to 17. When you first tried heroin? Yes. And when try, is that inde- injection? Injection, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put out my arm and I get my friend to do it for me. Really? I, I turn my head and go, go for it, don't miss the vein. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, my, my mate would, uh, my, my pro mate, <laughs> he would do it. Wow! Yeah, and then I suddenly look over, make sure he's doing okay, and and you know nothing in me liked it. I didn't okay. like it. Okay, and so what would happen when, say, you get injected with the heroin? How long will it take until you start seeing the effects of it? Feeling the effects? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, um, three to four seconds. You wow, feel okay. the effect, which which you call the blast. Yeah, and so um, that's why it's such an addictive drug. It's an immediate stone. Right. You know, for beer, you wait for it to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even with smoking pot, you wait for a little while, and acid, yeah. you wait for your... Uh, so it's immediate. more or less immediate. And so I'm amazed how the mind can hate something, which I did, didn't like it at first, uh-huh. and the mind can hate something, but after a period of time, it can begin to like it. Right. That really amazes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like your first cigarette, Daniel, come on. Yeah, you Tell can't me. cough it all, all that straight away. <laughs> you can't. Nice, was it? No, no, you, you know, can't. The yeah. body kind of discharges it, you know? Yeah. And so it's amazing how in time 
mind begins to like it. Yep. yep. Learned, it learns to like it. Right. And so how long were you on heroin for? Uh, heroin was off and on. Okay. For for years, just a bit here and a bit there. I could no, I just didn't want to go there. Yep. But because there was so much of it, and in between the times of parties and girlfriends and all the, all the you know, parties that you, there's always heroin. Then so you'd end up having a blast just for, for for the sake of having a blast with your friends. Yeah. And so, it got serious at around age twenty two. Twenty two is when you stopped. Got serious. Got serious. It okay. got because it, like I said. The devil starts small, <laughs> yeah, right, and yeah. so even the heroin began to grow. You know, right. the, the the dope was always there. Yep, and so the heroin came in like um, like uh, almost like it wanted to choke me slowly. Okay, describe that more. What do you mean by that? So by twenty two, um, it was nightly. Yeah, nightly. And maybe sometimes in the morning. Wow. And I had friends that would have it three times a day, four times a day. Yeah. And I knew I didn't want to go there, which uh, caused me to kind of disappear, disappear from my circle of influence of friends. Yeah. And when when I left that circle of influence and those friends that we grew up together with, yeah. I left that circle... And I began to try to come off the heroin on my own accord. Right. <clears throat> yep. Yep. And did you find um, having heroin each night? What did that help you put you to sleep, or were you trying to do something creative? Uh, it was more or less because Wollongong was a rock and roll town. Okay. All the yep. bands would come down. ACDC was down. We had Cold Chisel. We had Midnight Oil. Mm-hmm. So each night we had a band. Right. And so it was really musical oriented partying. Yep. 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 And enjoying music, really. Music was the the outlet. Right. Okay. With the drugs, if you know what I mean. Yep. Yep. And so then leaving that. So what happened after you were 22? What, what was next? After that period, I left my circle of influence. Was that hard? Uh, it was, but I could see I could see where I was going. And where was that? Well, my friends were in rehabs. I had um, uh, a girlfriend that was very addicted, and so when you've got a girlfriend that's addicted, you're in trouble. Right. And so there's, um, I just knew that it was a dead end for me. Yeah. I had to leave. Yeah. And it was a bold move, but it was a good move. And when your friend's quite upset with you, yeah, suddenly yeah, they're a bit upset in a way where, um, but but happy for me. Okay. Because I had some friends that didn't go that down that road, right, of heroin, and yeah. they were pleased. Yeah, yeah. And so did you just pack your bags and then see you later? Was it like an immediate thing? It was pretty much immediate. Yeah, it was it, within a week. I was gone after really? that decision. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And so did your friends ever think, did any of your like heroin addicted friends think that, oh, you're better than me and try to like, like put up an argument with you? And no, have a fight no, no, no. They, they were stuck in their selfish lives. Yeah, right. Didn't matter if I left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't care. <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the connection factor is not there. 
There right. is no real deep connections in drugs. Well, they say, though, that when you take... Um, I could be wrong on the title of it. Not LSD. There's another one. Uh, no, Molly. When you take Molly, it... Um, your senses become a lot uh, wider, and you love the you love the idea of connecting with people, and you just want to yeah. tell people that you love them, that you're your best friends, and you want to talk to them all day and hear their story and just tell them how much you love that person. So you could say that would be a connection, right? Yeah, that that is a connection. It, it is there, yeah, but it's temporary and it's not long lasting, right? And you want to go back to that. That's why it's addictive. And you want to go back to that connection. You want to go back to that because you feel like you're connecting in a deep manner and you feel like that um, you're exploring parts of the mind that that, that you cannot touch unless you're on drugs. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I, I believe there's a spiritual connection there. Yep. But um, at the end of the day, most, most people are just enjoying the buzz. Right, just the good music, the good times with friends and everything like yeah, that. It's the buzz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The connections come and go. You, you, you have some deep times, uh-huh. but they've gone and yeah. passed. And they're, not, they're not really who you are. Right. It's yeah. just a false feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so when you, when you left, when you were... How old were you when you left your friends? 22, 23. 22, 23. Yeah. So at that time, when you were 22, 23, you just packed your car and left your friends behind. Did you have any idea where you were going? I actually went by train. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my dad my dad took me to the train station. Yeah. I told the folks that I'm ready to go west. There was a tip that there was um, construction work happening in w- one of the biggest projects in, in Australia. It was right. happening in WA. Okay. Well, just quickly, did your... Did your mum and dad know that you were on heroin? Not heroin. Okay. Yeah, they knew. They knew of my drugs, drug okay. taking, and mum would find dope in my bag, in my in my pants or in okay. my wardrobe, and and I used to tell her it was Mexican tea. <laughs> no, <laughs> you told your mum that you had Mexican tea in your yeah. pocket uh, when it was weed. Come on, she got come on Mexican tea. I said, "Man, it's Mexican tea, mother." and so in the back of her mind she understood and she knew and and dad was sort of like a curious character also you know thinking you know what 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 is this drug like but he never ever wanted to talk about it Um, never confronted me right and never wanted to talk about it because he was scared of your answer probably okay would he have been disappointed or he would have been you're young. Um, he would have been disappointed, but I, I guess in those days he, he didn't want to know. Right. He, you know, he wanted to know that he had a son that was level-headed. Right. And and I genuinely was socially level-headed. I did my trade, my apprenticeship. I came out as a boilermaker welder at, at at nineteen. I think nineteen years old. Right. And. Um, and through the times of using drugs, I actually finished my trade. Right. Yeah. 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 Did Did you find it that it helped you to concentrate and things like that? No, I didn't. It, no, it didn't. It, it left me. It left me in a place of um, stagnation many times, okay. where I had to get friends to help me to catch up, and it was yeah. not a good thing. So you're like unmotivated and yeah, not motivated. Do you think it messed with your attention span? Yes. The ability to yes. remain focused yes. on something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But but I did enjoy the trade enough to finish it. I did enjoy it. Right. 
And I remember I um, did want to leave a few times because of the surfing um, hunger that I had. I, I was a surf rat. Right. I, could surf, I wanted to surf every day. Yeah, and yeah. so I left work many times knowing that the waves are going to be happening. <laughs> yeah. And I was allowed to just take off because they had to keep me as an apprentice. And really? So, yeah, yeah, I had this um, social worker at my work that followed me up on my last year. And he said, you're six months behind. Yeah. You know, can I help you? He says, yeah, 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 you can help me. Give me a, give, give me a ride to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and he was always checking on me. And so, and mum was really strict on me finishing because mum wanted me to get something happening. And, right. I, and I thought, you know what, mum, I can do this. And I yeah. remember I did do it. And I did finish it after six months on top because I had to work back six, oh, six okay. months yeah, yeah, to get my trade certificate. Yeah. I better do this. I only got six months left. And yeah. I'm still in Wollongong. Let's do this. Okay. And through much smoking and drinking, we we got through. Wow. Okay. And yeah. then I got my certificate. Yeah. And I went home and I said, hey, mum, this is for you. <laughs> I threw it to her. This is yours. <laughs> By the certificate? Yeah. Yeah, right. Catch it, you it, later. It, it I'm on a train. It didn't mean much to me. Right. But okay. for her, I really wanted to bless my mum. I really wanted to. Okay. Yeah, Mum, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. And she still remembers the story when I came home. <laughs> you chucked her I chucked the certificate at her. I, yeah. she, I said, hey, Mum, I am so grateful. Right. To this day. Yeah. I am so grateful that she would wake me up in the morning, head me off in the, in, in the last year I was at home, in the last yeah. six months of that trip. She woke me up and she got me... All oh, right, and what were you still quite high or something? Yeah, like that, feeling from the, the night before. Yeah. She, Come on! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, good on your mum because today I have what I have today because of my trade. I had uh, I had good yeah. money. Yeah. In the construction game. So that was now you've caught the train when you're 23 to WA to for WA the construction train. Train, yeah. For for the construction jobs in yeah. WA, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was a good time. And uh, I, I can remember the same circle of friends and people that were using dope, smoking, and so that carried on. Mm -hmm. Oh, you see, so you found yourself in the same social setting? Yeah, same. So, and, and, and there was a, uh, a, what do you call it? The single man quarter camp. Uh, for the Worsley project in WA, this big project, very big, and had, had camps for single men. And so I got into the camp, and all this dope came from Margaret River down south. <laughs> used to come into the camps, and we're bonging in the morning, bonging at lunch, and we're, 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 we're welding and hanging off the side of buildings, and <laughs> we're stoned all day. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so then I had to, gosh, this is, you know, this is a hard circle to get out of. And I remember I was eating better from the camp food, began to eat go for jogs, I began to straighten up my own life. Okay. I remember it was like a rehab. Yeah. And Whilst, but heroin wasn't around? It, it was wasn't around, weird. but after after six months working there, heroin came in the camps. Right. From Perth. Yeah. And there we go again. So when when you first heard that heroin was, that got into the camps, you ha you've been off it for six months. Mm. Um, what was your like first reaction to heroin's back someone told you what did you first think oh i thought you know gosh i've got money to do this yeah right and i yep. thought you know what oh i'd love to get love to get stoned again and yeah. so it was like that here i am on my own 
no one around, got the money, yeah. and back we, you know, yeah. a few of us from uh, Sydney, Sydney boys would come over from, right. we used to hang together and they were into it too and, and then next thing you know we're using the heroin and I thought, no, not again, not again. Yeah. And um, I can remember thinking I'm like a dog going back to its vomit. Wow. That was the metaphor you thought of yeah. in, when you were in that time. Like I, I just felt like a dog going back to its vomit. And then I came back to um, to to the city of Bunbury and I began to try and clean up my act again. Right. Yeah. And so I've tried, I've tried a few times on my own. Yeah. But this is where there's this um, connection that I mentioned before, the spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was hard to get off. Right, yeah, because of your surroundings, your surroundings, surroundings. were encouraging in any way. Yeah, you know, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Yep, it's like that mm-hmm. with any teenagers today. Mm-hmm. You, you have a look at their five or five or four of their friends, and you can bet on their future. You know where they're going. Right. Yeah. 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 So, what about when then you hear lots of relationships where? their partner is a drug addict or something like that and the other partner feels responsible and they try to get them off the drugs through being in a relationship. Do you think that is a good way to go about it? Do you think that person can go off drugs because their girlfriend slash boyfriend wants them to be off it? Yeah, that really helps. Family or relationship like that can help. Right. It can help. Yeah. But the thing is you've got to fill your life up with something. Mm-hmm. So most of those people that do have this place of coming off and they do like get support from family, mm-hmm. uh, they end up filling it up with alcohol. Right. Another okay. buzz. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, there, is, there is a way of yeah. um, having support and help and, and, and that, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but the problem is what are, they, what are you going to fill it up with? Yeah. yeah. You've got to fill your life up with something. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was that for you when you went to Bunbury? Uh, for me, I, I, um, I began to try and, 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 and settle uh, in a unit on my own and try and bring out my artistic values. Ah, I began okay. to do pictures and drawings and it started to flow and, and, um, and I could see myself slowly not wanting this drug. I could see myself, you know, and but I still drank and I still smoked and I still had, you know, and so I was slowly weaning away from the idea of heroin again on my own again. Yep. And um, and I I saw myself searching and looking for something real and something that I could hold on to that, that was solid. Mm-hmm. And so I began to look for some sort of speaker some sort of yoga or some sort of meditation someone that could talk sense yeah because no one's making sense right yeah yeah you know back then it was like just the boys just come out of vietnam middle east is in war you know everything's chaotic yeah why wouldn't you smoke drugs yeah you know and so i just needed some sort of truth to my identity who I am because I could go to the pub 
and I'm identify with the pub boys, the drinkers. Yeah. I, I surf during the day and I'm a surfer. Yeah. And back home I was a dealer. And so it was all this sort of I oh, you used to deal drugs as deal well. Deal drugs back home, yeah, yeah. To, to to help my addiction. Right. Yeah. And so that So that, the whole idea of getting high off your own supply didn't work for you? <laughs> <laughs> it um you, you You'd place sometimes you'd place three hundred dollars on a horse, <laughs> thinking that you know, yeah, yeah, I've got the money for nothing. Let's just throw it out. Yeah, okay. And so, um, you're always you're always trying to make yourself some money, but when you do sell, you're in good supply. Yeah, okay. You're in yeah. good supply. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so did you? Which is a problem because you got more than what you. Yeah, need. exactly. And did you find that when you were in Bunbury, um, did you find yourself having a good group of friends? When I first came to Bunbury, yeah, 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 well, it was a good group of friends, but it was the same circle of of life, uh, lifestyle, drugs, right. okay, alcohol, yeah, music. And so you were doing that whilst you were painting and using your creative outlet, or yeah, because it was it was all I knew. Yeah, I didn't know of any type of other groups that came, you know, until I went searching for some sort of. Um, uh, outlet or a speaker or some someone that would share uh, a truth on UFOs or meditation or I don't care what it was. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. ready. I was a ready. I was like a little plant, ready. Yeah, yeah to yeah. grow. You know, and so then I came to uh, to the knowledge of the the God factor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then Christianity and so the Christian God, yeah, yeah because of the um, the Jesus story and the fact that I began mm. to kind of kind of dodge because I was thinking this guy's a cartoon character, isn't he? Who but, Jesus? Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. Didn't, didn't mean much to me at all. Yeah, and then I um, um, looked. Uh, there was a ad. In the paper, there was an ad saying that Jesus is the answer. Meetings with a Vietnam uh, soldier that came from US. Oh, okay. Uh, gee, that'd be interesting. That, yeah. that, that'd be good. I, I'll go out to that and I cut it out and I put it on the fridge. And I, I'll make sure I don't miss that one. Okay. And I went out to that night and I yeah. and this guy had a story of drug addiction and all the you know all, all, all the um, uh, lifestyle type of living that most of us went through. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think I was the only visitor there. Right. Well, that's the interesting thing, though, because I feel like Christians have uh, a misrepresentation that when you... And, and maybe lots of people have actually felt this when they go into church, that they feel judged, unvalued, and that they are... That the other, normal, uh, the other Christians who have been there for so long are above you. Mm. When you went to church for the first time, did you feel that? No, no, no. This, this is a very open group of people. It was, it was a right. shop front. Yep. It was a really open group of people that like do anything for you. I could have walked in smelling like a dog. Right. You know, still would have accepted me. It was a really good, good advertisement for church, which yep. I didn't know of. Okay. All yep. I knew was stained glass windows and crosses and you know mm. that sort of type of Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have said that because even there, they're good people. Absolutely, absolutely. And they have yeah, that yeah. understanding. But that stereotypical you know? Christian thing is what you. Yeah, I was used to that um, that type of. Um, I, I've never seen this ever in my life. 
mm-hmm. and I as I walked in and um, I, I remember they were clapping hands and singing and guitars going and I, I, and I walked out because I, <laughs> I'm not clapping to that <laughs> and I had a cigarette yeah. outside and, and then then everything went quiet and I went back in the yeah. the guy was talking oh the Vietnam yeah warrior? yeah from yep. the, yeah he got blown up by a hand grenade in Vietnam yeah he was he was all splintered on one side right had blue dots all over and so it was a really good night yeah. good story and that's when I first heard the real Jesus factor story that I came to research and look into because I didn't know I didn't know what they were saying at the beginning but as I began to research it I began to see a spiritual void in me begin to fill up yeah okay and did you find so you and you obviously loved the community of Christians at the church were they welcoming to you? Yeah, Did you make very, friends? Oh, close friendships, you know. And like I mentioned to you before, the connection that I didn't have, mm. I began to see a whole new connection. Right. Yeah. That they loved me for who I was. There was no drugs involved. Yeah. Did you tell them that you were in heroin, or did yeah, you yeah, I did. I told them. Yeah. That I'm, I'm really, really trying not to get back onto my. I'm trying to, you know, but every time it comes on board, I, I just can't help myself. And they say, just, just, just give this a week. Give it a week. See what happens. Yeah, I said thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I remember they gave me a Bible to read and some stuff, and I, I began to read this Bible, and I, and I, and I can't believe how it was jumping around, feeding me. It was feeding my spirit like, 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 like a meal, like dinner. Like dinner. Yeah, right. You know, you know what I mean? I was yeah. getting fat. <laughs> You're getting fat. Okay. In my own, the Bible. In, my, in my own house, okay. like reading that Bible. Yeah. yeah, and I began to see things connect and how it rang true and. I began to really test, te- I tested it. Yeah. I-, I wanted to know more about this Jesus factor. I wanted to, I went to the library, I picked up books mm-hmm. that the atheists, yep. you know, agnostics, yep. the ones that didn't believe, I wanted to know their story and I wanted to know. Uh, that's good. So you're not just jumping in, diving into it blindly. No, you're I didn't want that own... because I've heard so much of the cults that were around, you know. Right. So I really yep. wanted to test this one out. Yeah. Yep. And, um, it wrecked me. Yeah, it wrecked you. It positive wrecked, or negative? Positive. In a positive it way. It wrecked my <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember walking the streets and um, I remember with my friends and my new friends and I remember the construction boys across the road mm. um, uh, calling me over, Steph, Steph, hey! Yeah. I'd, I'd call them over and I'd tell them all about my experience and I can... I, I, I was... Uh, brand new at this and I was just sharing what happened to me and they said no where's the old Steph ah uh, okay and yeah, so yeah. they they didn't accept me yeah and um, and were you still working with them uh, no okay I, I left that whole construction yeah, yeah for a while okay I had to get out of that camp yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's interesting though because for a lot you've said the word connection quite a lot in that last little bit and um, there's this author called uh, Johan Hari, and he's um, when he was I think when he was a teenager he went to his doctor and he said um, I have what feels like pain leaking out of me. Right. I don't know how to regulate it. I don't know how to control it. What do I do? He was a teenager, yeah. unaware of all this. And the doctor says, Well, that's quite normal. It's some people we have a, a chemical in our brain called serotonin. 
Um, some people would naturally just lack it. You're clearly one of them. Have these antidepressants and um, be on your way. Had the antidepressants for a few months and then he felt great, remarkably better, but then his the pain started leaking out of his body again three months later. So he went back to his doctor, told him the same situation, so the doctor gave him a higher dosage of antidepressants. Uh, took them, felt great, felt really good for the next three months, felt productive, was happy, was socially aware, was socially just loving it. Do you know what I mean? Three months later, the pain leaked out of his body, body again, went back to his doctor, got a higher dosage. This whole journey lasted for 13 years until then he was on the highest possible dosage of um, antidepressants. Oh, what an addict. <laughs> well, that's the thing we've got to be careful of because I feel like the whole antidepressants, mental health, mental illness kind of thing, even though I mean you're both social workers, it's a very complex situational, it's not black and white. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah, black and yeah, white. Yeah, you're right. Um, and so, but he was questioning, surely there's more to it than just serotonin levels and chemical imbalances. You know what I mean? There's more to it, to it. Cause he did feel addicted. You know what I mean? And so as confused as he was, he went traveling and then he heard of this story of the rat park. And it's all about, um, uh, two scientists put two rats in a cage and they put one, a tank of water just a normal tank of water right. and a normal tank of water laced with heroin in it. Right. And the cat, rats were in this cage and they both tried each, each water and then they got hooked on the water laced with heroin and then they um, overdosed and died after two weeks. And so the American, um, uh, some Amer American like social services got hold of this and like kind of made a commercial and said, this would be you. This is addiction. This don't do it, you know, which is, you know, fair play. Um, but then a couple of years later, a philosopher came along and he said, well, these rats were just in a cage. You know what I mean? They were like, caged. Yeah, of course they're going to yep. go for the heroin laced water because what else have they got to do? So then this philosopher came along and invented this thing called Rat Park. Just massive park, heaven for rats. So lots of different rats, lots of sex, lots of cheese, lots of, lots of friends, everything a rat could want. And still there in the Rat Park was normal water and water laced with heroin all the rats tried both they tried both and they stayed with the normal water and then his finalizing argument was that because the opposite of addiction is connection do you know what i mean they were happy in the park yeah and it's, okay. it's kind of like um good. how we how when our like any uh i've had conversations with friends who have been on antidepressants and things like that and this is this is very personal. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because it is very, it's very situational. It's very different for everyone. Everyone's going through different things. You know what I mean? Mm. We know that from our work. Do you know mm. all these different kids that we work with are from different, and have experienced completely and more severe circumstances than we have. Do you know? But that all my friends who have been on antidepressants have said it is great and it is perfect for a temporary solution. It's a great Kickstarter, but whilst you're taking these antidepressants or pills or whatever medication mm -hmm. you're on, you need to be um, actively um, improving your surroundings yeah. and your connections and your social network and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so Very good, like Dan. And that's exactly what I went through in the way of genuine. Humans need genuine connection. Yeah. You can have a connection, yep. but you do feel caged. On, yep. your, on your own yep. because they're not real but when you have the real connections and I, I began to see that 
Mm -hmm. through my brothers and sisters that had a belief, you know. Mm -hmm. I began to see that uh, a marriage can work, how husband and wife works, friends, how they go out of their way for you. I could leave my wallet there at night. No one would mm. take it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was such a turnaround of connections yeah. that, that I saw that were genuine, which won me over. And so did you find yourself, even though you've become a new Christian and you've got lots of good friends, did you still find yourself uh, relapsing and taking an occasional um, joint? or no, no, Not at all. Like Nothing. You Not at all. I, I, I was so occupied with right. what I was doing. And yeah. it was such a good, good lifestyle that I was pursuing. And I noticed that um, what I fed my mind determined my recovery. Mm -hmm. you, do you know what I mean by that? There's something about feeding the white dog, yeah. <laughs> the old story. Yeah. And so in my mind, I just felt I, I, I just I was bringing in positive talk, positive books, positive friends, positive influences, yeah. and, and the teachings were positive. Everything was, was the input. What I fed my mind mm -hmm. was a big part of my recovery. And would you say doing that consistently, hey? Consistently. Yeah. I was occupied. I was on a good road. You couldn't stop me. You know, people would say, hey, Steph, you needed a crutch. Is it? Nah, nah. It's wonderful to know a creator. Right, okay. It's wonderful to know someone's in charge okay so what did yeah. you do so then going from that using that momentum what did you do then with your life from then on i didn't want uh, to see kids or young people come into the same trap i did yep i felt like i needed to help in that area and i um, would go into town with my drug rehab drug board into shopping centers Really? Yeah, I, I had parents talking with me. I had, I had a real central point where I could talk for probably half a day right. in the shopping centres. And that really started me on this drug campaign. Yeah. The and kids would, would open up in front of their parents. Really? Yeah. About their drug addiction? I, I just about who they know that takes drugs. And, you know, parents, yeah. <laughs> I don't see many times, as what? Yeah. <laughs> I'd see them outburst, you yeah, know. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, they're telling so, you. I, I look at the parent and go, scary, eh? And so, but I had pamphlets. I had things to give them. I had techniques. I had tips. And so I really felt a need to really help the community that way. Yeah. And yeah. I opened up a rehab, a, a drug preventive program. You did? Yep, a workshop, Kickstart. Yeah. And that was um, supported by the, the Mines. Uh, okay. In WA, right? Yeah, through Mission Australia. Okay, and how was it? And you started your own drug rehab. Yes. And so, how was that? How was that a whole journey? Oh, it was a tremendous journey. We saw a lot of young kids that were smoking pot and beginning to to grow in the drugs. Well, that's though. Would yep. you say though that smoking pot regularly? Would you still disagree with that? Uh, reg yeah, because it does grow on you in the small. Okay. And it can be. It can for many, become addictive because uh, the brain learns to like it. The serotonins, the dopamine that you mentioned before, the dopamines and the mm -hmm. serotonins, they really do begin to teach the mind, this is exactly where I want to be. Okay. And, and we begin to like it. Okay. And so you... So in your, so that's the danger. So you think that anything artificial is... Um, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think is the best uh, substitute for life no for right. sure for sure right. like alternatives like sports health 
mm-hmm. uh, activities, and you can have music. You know, you can have those yeah. sort of activities, art form, performing arts. They're good. Yeah, and they really do help in that area. But you have to understand that the mind and the, who we are has to fill their lives up with something. And so if those things don't work for you, it's, mm-hmm. it's obviously going to be um, um, not enough in the sense of change, total change. And so that's, that's the danger is, is don't, don't lean on the legal drugs. If you lean on the legal drugs to give you your release, because mm-hmm. even even a- athletes, sports stars, they all have this issue of drugs that come their way too because of the pressure. Okay. Yeah. And um, if that's not enough, then that's where I, I would say the spiritual takes and tips the scales. The okay. spiritual side. Uh, you know what I mean? An addiction is a symptom of a spiritual need. Okay, okay. So you would say that the whole idea of um, filling the void with creative arts such as acting, filmmaking, photography, um, drawing, painting, or musical, sing, songwriting, things like that, you think that's not a strong enough void to fill that void inside of all of us. That's the more spiritual side of things, and that's when drugs kind of come into it. They do because discipline of life is not easy and to discipline yourself in sports performing arts in you're still in that circle of party you're still in that circle of enjoying pleasure not wrong to enjoy pleasure Uh but when pleasure becomes your god Mm -hmm. you will end up using drugs for pleasure for entertainment okay yeah yeah because you're in that circle of of influence okay and that goes back to your point show me your friends and i'll show you your future yes. kind of thing okay that's interesting never thought of it like that and so when with the drug rehab that you started up how long did that last it's still going it's still going yes yeah, yeah I, I, I drive past every now and then see the old building hanging with pictures all over it and frameworks and what? projects and i visit now and then i, yeah. I go in and i, I teach welding to yep. some of the school and so so how, when did it start? How long ago has it? Oh, 12, 12 years back. 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it started back in, um, gosh, 2008. 2008, yeah. Gosh, we're back 12 years. Yeah, right, yeah. And then, ah, and then, so obviously because you're my dad, I know this. So in 2008, from there, that's when we went to Italy. That's right. And so what was the motive I already know this question, but what's the motive? What was the motive of us going to Italy? Why did you want to do that? Why did you want to pack up our lives and go to Italy? I didn't want you to be bored, Dan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Mundane like, of life. Mundane School, of school. Yeah, okay. Job. Oh, how hey? selfless of you. <laughs> yeah, right. I wanted you in Pompeii for your um, social studies. Oh, you wanted me in Pompeii. <laughs> uh, what was the big motive? Yeah. The big motive was to feel a little bit of the culture that I missed. Mm-hmm. and Because your parents are Italian. Yes, Italian folks. And so I wanted to feel that because I was born in Australia. Yeah. And, and um, 
the rehab that we went to help with was a, a, a mission type of rehab where it had its church, had its accommodation and had its working workshops. Was that in Italy? In Italy, in Naples. And it was exactly what I was doing here in Australia. And I thought, wow, I've got to have a look at this. Yeah. And uh, made the contact and they're very open to me coming over and helping them through. And yeah. and uh, two years in Naples. Right. Incredible time. And what was the highlight of coming alongside uh, the drug rehab in Italy? What was the highlight? The highlight would have been that uh, it was chemical free and mm-hmm. I saw lives change before me. Mm-hmm. Was it, Is there a personal story or anything like that? There would be a few. Yeah, there'd be a few. Fab, Fab, um, Fab, Fabio, he um, came off the heroin when he was 20, 21, I think it was. And he uh, is now married, right. has a child. And he became a leader while I was there, a leader of the group. There's Alberto, who was um, in the Gamora, the mafia, oh, wow. selling drugs for the mafia yeah, that's, in, in, in Naples. Yeah, yeah. The mafia in Napoli is like the worst in the world. Very, very, um, very aggressive because it's like a network. Mm-hmm. It's not like the mafia in Sicily, where it's the godfather, the Don, yeah. and then a few, you know, main yeah. ones. Uh, the Gomorrah is more of a network of families all over the place. And they fight each other. And they fight each other. Yeah. And, um, yeah, jealousy rises and they kill each other, yeah. yeah and yeah. so he was part of the mafia there and he came through and um, Paco from Spain, he um, relapsed seven times right, and made it through and became a leader in the group, Got was married, had a kid. And so a lot of good stories, a lot yeah. of good stories and um, chemical free. It was like they sweated out. What do you mean chemical free? Uh, no chemicals, no methadone programs, nothing. It was just sweat, work, sweat, work, oh. out into the workshop and gardening. It was just, just out, it was out there. Yeah. Lots of tea. I drank yeah. lots of tea. Lots of tea. Yeah. yeah. And, and shared. Could could these guys have um like a like a glass of beer or anything like that? Or nothing, was just completely? Nothing, completely abstinence. Oh. What happened to me, I, I abstained overnight. Right. Yeah. Overnight. And so yeah. uh, what I saw there was the same. And it was just a work hard ethic, just gardening, well, gardening building things, get out and sweat, being occupied. Get out and sweat. That's interesting because um, I've heard this story about um, in the, after the Vietnam War, there was this local who owned a rice paddock in, in Vietnam, in central Vietnam, and his leg got blown off by a grenade and he was um, and in rice paddocks that there's lots of water for the rice to grow. And so he had an artificial leg and it messed and messed him up within when he put it in water for a long period of time. It would hurt a lot. It would kind of like almost like electrocute him through his actual real body and things like that. And so he couldn't work hard at all. And he became very, he became severely depressed because this is his main source of income. And it was his purpose. He was a rice farmer, you know, and the doctors came to him and they instead transformed his, um, his farm and and turned it I think they gave it away and then they gave him a, a cow instead and after a, a couple of months they gave him a few more cows and then he became a dairy farmer and I remember this Canadian psychiatrist came through and interviewed the rice paddock or now dairy farmer owner and she said she was asking him like what kind of antidepressants helped him 
throughout that time? How did he, you know, channel that? You know, how did he switch up his lifestyle, um, make his moods go higher and switch up his morale and his work ethic right. and get out of depression? And he said, I guess the antidepressant was the cow. Do you know uh, what I mean? Okay. It wasn't so much uh, medication pill or anything like okay, that. Yeah, it was yeah. like the cow itself and it gave, yeah. and it kind of reintroduced a new passion, purpose, acknowledgement for an income and everything like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's very, sounds like it's the same thing for these guys where it's just a work hard, gardening, work hard. Yeah, 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 occupied. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's right, Dan. The, the, the healing factor in that, in that rehab was a hammer, a spanner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> paintbrush <A> paintbrush yeah, <laughs> yeah it was the healing factor these guys they yeah. did something with their with their uh, hands yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, felt like they were achieving yeah moving on in life and and it was the best thing ever I, 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 the best thing ever I ever seen in my life yeah, yeah to see yeah. this at work in a, in a real concrete way yeah beautiful yeah. it was Dan yeah and so now, so now we actually, we share the same job. We're both youth workers yep. that work alongside the Department of Child Protection. And we're kind of, me and you both are a bit in limbo. We don't know what we kind of want to pursue in the long run and things like that. But we've worked with some, we've shared some of the same clients and we've been together on shifts and we had to call each other Steph and Daniel. We couldn't, I couldn't call you dad, yeah. which is a very different and foreign thing for me. It was funny. Yeah. Um, but for, so now for the future, what would... Do you have any idea of what you're kind of looking at now? Do you still want to um, do more drug rehabs or things like that? Or yeah, I, there... I do, Dan. I, I want to work with um, uh, activities or programs that uh, have good outcomes. Right. And there's one now that I've helped with recently on a farm. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that in time I can go out and maybe get myself nestled in again. Mm-hmm. But yeah. with um, uh, work ethics and, you know, and that, not with the chemicals that they use in programs, but have the kids hands-on. Hands-on. Skills, yeah. trade yeah. skills, get yeah. them working, get them active. And yeah. they, when you can occupy someone like that, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they feel a sense of achievement. Yeah. And that like they've a, never had. Yeah. And like a hard work, a hard working day, the reward of that and things like that. Yeah, exactly. We do need to be careful because there are people who might feel offended if we speak down about medication, antidepressants and things like that. Um, but I guess our biggest point that we both share is that it's good for the temporary. It's good for the temporary. And, yeah. and I know men, uh, men and ladies and women that have been through medications yeah. and, and on a temporary scale... It has helped. And it's helped a lot to kickstart and things helped. like that. And it really has helped. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to be attached to it for the rest of your life. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And so um, this is where it helps to... And addiction is not just drugs. You can be addicted to chocolate, gambling, yeah. you know, yeah. cigarette addictions. Yeah. They're, they're all the same. Jim. You know, there's something there mm-hmm. wanting to fill your life. And so... The true factor is, is that have you ever been on an appointment where you've got to be at a certain place at a certain time mm-hmm. and you can't find your keys? Right. Had that feeling? Yeah. And you're shuffling around trying to find, where's yeah. my keys? You've yeah. got five minutes before you get to the interview and yeah. you can't find your keys? Yeah. That's the feeling. <laughs> okay. You know I was wondering where you're going with that. But okay. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. Addicts have that. Same feeling of that mannerism is, where are my 
my keys. Right. You know what I mean? So they want to have their blast. They want to have their chocolate. They want to have their gamble. They want to have... And so you've got to win this over. And what you feed your mind has a big part of the recovery. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I like it. Damn, that's well, it. Damn. That's it. That's Let's the way. do this. Let's do it. Hey, I'm inspired. <laughs> I'm inspired. Well, Dad, thank you very much for being on my third podcast. This is day four of self-isolation. Tremendous. We're doing okay, aren't we? Tremendous. Thank Dan. you for being my first guest. That's okay, Dan. And um, I hope that um, this grows. This grows. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank, no, thank you for being on. And let's see what happens next in the next week and a half of self-isolation. Let's not go too crazy. Thanks for listening, guys. You are listening to the Happiness Podcast to Daniel Casadio and Steph, Tass- Steph Casadio talking about addiction. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Peace.